0: of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here and joining me on the show, someone's channel who I have just been directed to and now really like, and I'm a fan I'm a subscriber of that franchise guy, Marcus Whitman, a Minnesota content creator around the NFL and NFL draft and Eric Eager and Thomas Dimitrov were on your show, Marcus, mm-hmm. which is how I found you and you do tremendous work. So I thought, you know what? We need to get together
1: and talk some drafts. So what is up, man? How are you? Well, thank you for having me on, Matthew. I'm I'm looking forward to it.
0: I uh, would love to hear a little bit before we get into it just about your channel, like what inspired you to start it, how long you've been doing it, uh, because you could kind of tell, you know this as a YouTuber, you could tell instantly if someone knows what they're doing as far as creating YouTube content, analyzing football and so forth. And I really appreciate that you get you know good guests on your show and, and do some really uh, interesting things with film breaking down prospects and stuff so what's kind of the background of the channel
1: yeah so i actually just started it as a little pet project back in 2016 i uh, was a saint thomas grad i'm sure there's a lot of ust grads listening to the show so shout out you know roll toms but uh yeah, I started as, as a little pet project. I was actually uh, initially a, a Madden channel. I was changing the ratings, that the in-game ratings I always disagreed with and felt like I could do it better myself, so I, I would change the ratings. And then I just started kind of making videos on YouTube and talking about why I was making the changes that I was making. And that turned into position rankings, draft talk, mock drafts, you name it. And uh, over time, I just... You know, I was starting to make money from it. It was growing. People enjoyed it. And as of about two years ago, there's no more Madden stuff on the channel. It's all just, you know, full circle uh, NFL content, 365.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's really good. How far back do you go with Madden? Because I have, if people are watching on the uh, video stream Right here with me. That's Madden 2000. And I, so I still have all of the old Maddens with me. I play them occasionally. little Dreamcast 2K. So how, how far do you go back as a gamer?
1: I go back. I mean, I go way back as a gamer. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Up until like eighth grade, I, I didn't play football. My dad was always worried that I wasn't going to be a football fan and he wouldn't be able to enjoy Sundays with me. And I was always out just, you know, either sledding out in the yard or, or playing playing the PlayStation Crash Bandicoot or Jack and Daxter, something like that. Uh, But once I started playing like eighth grade, I I started to pick up NCAA and Madden. So I I would say like Madden, the one with, uh, I think it was Madden 10 with Troy Polamalu and uh, Larry on the, on the cover was my first Madden. So not, not
0: quite old enough. When did they stop doing, by the way, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they had in like the 04 through maybe 06, they mm-hmm. had the the training camp activities. And this was one of my favorite parts. We talk about this on the show sometimes about how there are football fans and we all benefit from this uh, that like the off season more than the regular season. And that is not a criticism, that's just the observation. And be, So I would simulate seasons and then go and do all the training camp stuff and improve all the players, try to draft players in the fifth round who had 97 speed and make them into stars. And once that disappeared, they kind of lost me. Like the gameplay is fine and everything, but I loved all that off-season activity stuff. And now they want me to do like game plans before games. It's too complicated. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, that, the, But that was my favorite part. I feel like the game has kind of drifted too far away
1: from that. Oh, believe me, I you're preaching to the choir here. That was a big reason why I stopped making Madden content was it was just uh, such a grind. The game wasn't changing enough. Uh, just spent too much time complaining about features not getting added. And uh, I just, yeah, I, I'm happy to have that part of, of my career behind me. Uh, but you are, you are right. They the game used to be better for us our our us hardcore football fans than than it is now it's it's getting a little bit better i would say but still not where it could be
0: It's yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's this incredible game. And uh, when I was growing up with Super Nintendo, like you couldn't even get the players to be different sizes for super (laughs) play action football. And now here we are complaining, but they have made it too convoluted and got rid of some of the stuff that was maybe the the best things, but obviously you're not here to break down Madden because we have NFL draft things to discuss. Uh, So I'll give you a dealer's choice here. Would you rather talk about quarterbacks? The Vikings probably won't draft or cornerbacks, the Vikings probably will draft. Which one would you rather start with?
1: Uh let's let's start with the quarterbacks.
0: Okay. So unless there's some shocking drop of CJ Stroud or Bryce Young looks like he's going number one. Uh we're only really talking about three guys for the Vikings that could potentially go at 23 even when a a trade-up scenario is discussed, it seems so preposterous that they would trade three firsts and seconds in the future and something to get to Arizona's pick. So unless we think Anthony Richardson is going to drop, I guess we can have that discussion, but I don't think there's much chance of that. Then it kind of comes down to Will Levis, Hendon Hooker. Do you think there is any chance, though, that there's a total shock that the mock community is completely off on CJ Stroud or on Anthony Richardson. I I think Bryce Young is just going number one, but Mm -hmm. is there, is there any chance that that should even be any type of discussion for the Vikings?
1: You know, I think, I think Richardson is, is going to be a little bit more of an acquired taste. So if he gets past a couple of those teams that, that did like him, but that then just decided not to ultimately pull the trigger on him. Maybe he's sitting there like nine or 10 uh, and, and you can make a move up for him. Stroud. I just, I have a really hard time picturing it. If it was me drafting it, it might be possible. I, I like Stroud, but um I could see passing on him just, just cause I don't see him as quite the highest upside guy in the world. Uh, but I do, I do feel like Stroud is probably not in play. Richardson, give me, you know, give you like a, you were, you were quoting uh dumb and dumber to me before we started. So I'll throw him back at you. You know, you're telling me there's a chance like, <laughs> Maybe two or three percent that Richardson could be that sort of like uh Giants Bears trade up from 20 to 10 or whatever it was, like maybe, but probably not.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way that uh, you could go back historically and you could look at some trades up, and but I also think about what San Francisco gave up to get Trey Lance, and the Vikings have to go much farther to get up into that conversation. So, unless and look at all the teams that have a really good case for drafting Anthony Richardson. How about Seattle? They're not locked into Geno Smith for life. He's even on the older side. He's been around for a long time. And last year kind of an outlier season. So you can't really, and even the second half of his season was unspectacular. You can't really make that your franchise quarterback. So they have a case for it. Vegas has a case for it with Jimmy Garoppolo being a short-term solution. I mean, you could just go through the teams. Detroit. Atlanta. Yeah, Detroit, Atlanta. Atlanta, are you serious with Desmond Ritter? Probably not. You're more like, that's the guy we got and we're hoping for something to happen. So as we get into that though, it just seems so pie in the sky that we haven't really discussed it. And maybe Kwasi will completely shock us, but who knows? Uh, Mm -hmm. I I don't really see it. So then we're having the conversation about Will Levis and Hendon Hooker are really the only other two that are even in this discussion. Uh, Are you a Will Levis enjoyer? This show has not featured many Will Levis enjoyers. I I don't know if you're one or not, but it seems like people are actually getting more and more down as the days go on on Will Levis. Maybe it's because he keeps making videos of eating weird things. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, the edibles for, for him are very interesting, but I, you know, I, I am actually a little bit of a Will Levis defender. I've always been someone that that really likes to uh, put a lot of thought into the surrounding cast of a a quarterback and what is truly possible for him to do on a play-to-play basis. And when you look at what he had at Kentucky, it was a complete unmitigated disaster between both the O-line, which was genuinely the hardest O-line, the worst O-line, the hardest O-line to watch that I've seen in a long time. And I think that aspect is actually going to help him when he gets to the next level. All these guys are going to, get to the NFL and they're going to have to speed up their processors. I think this is something that uh, Zach Wilson in New York has really struggled with is he had all that time to throw at BYU. And, and with Levis, he's going to be like, Oh wow, I can like set my feet and get to my second progression and like read this thing out. It's, it's going to be night and day there. And I think that could be uh, a big surprise for a lot of people is that I actually felt like he was pretty good uh, getting through his progressions and, and making NFL reads. He ran an NFL offense, Really, uh, um, you know, he has his inaccuracies, but really sharp over the middle of the field, the, the kind of, you know, play action, snap your head around, hit a deep dig right over the head of the linebacker. Like he had some really nice NFL throws in there. He didn't make as many stupid mistakes as I expected to find based on the way people talk about him. Uh, I think a quarter of his turnover-worthy plays came in the one game against Tennessee where he's coming, you know, he's down four scores just trying to make something happen in this complete disaster performance. So I expected him to be, you know, not seeing safeties left and right, forcing stupid balls all year, and it just really wasn't true. Uh, I think the accuracy when he's throwing deep outside the numbers is a little bit inconsistent, and when you look at his pocket presence, he stands tall in the face of pressure, uh, but it's almost to a fault where, like, He's not seeing escape lanes. He's not seeing backside blitzers that are coming through. He's not as creative as a quarterback as maybe you'd like him to be. For all those reasons, I actually see Stroud a little bit more of a high floor, lower upside guy than uh, other people. And that's just not really what you hear out there. And, and I get that, but I think he's going to step in, be able to run the show and uh, you know, some of the inaccuracy stuff will be a holdback, and, and there's going to be some of those uh, lack of playmaking opportunities as well. But I think he's going to be a solid NFL quarterback. I really do. And, and he would be worth worth it to move up, in my opinion, for the Vikings if he's there 9 or 10, 11, wherever that may be. So I was uh, reading just a bunch of
0: different opinions on him. And, and one of them, I think, put it really well is they said he's like Carson Wentz for better or worse. And it's easy to forget that Carson Wentz did play good NFL football for like three years. And then I think the injuries caught up with him, and maybe people also did not like him. And I don't know if yeah. Will Levis is likable or not. Uh, I cannot judge that based on him eating a whole banana without taking off the peel. I wouldn't like someone who did that, but maybe he's cool. Uh, so what's, what's,
1: what is worse? Is it the <laughs> banana? Is it the whole banana? Or is it the mayo coffee? What's what's worse?
0: Ooh, uh, I think it's the whole banana. That one really so horrified too. me. I mean, uh, well, that mayo and coffee is pretty weird, um, I'm usually an okay person with kind of weird combinations. If you put like Diet Pepsi and milk together, it actually tastes weirdly good. So hmm. yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with some strange stuff like that. But eating the whole banana peel, God did not make that there for that. No, he made that to be peeled. So that is just wrong. It's just going against science. Um, (laughs) Yeah, anyway, but that certainly that is a red flag. What's interesting to me, so I watched just a little bit of of Will Levis because I've never really considered it a Viking option, although maybe I'll be surprised. People are mocking him to fall, uh, at least some uh, legitimate, if if there's such a thing as a legitimate mock drafter, I don't know, Uh, (laughs) but you know what I mean? I've seen enough of him falling to have gone back and watched some. The one thing that a little bit concerns me is, When we talk about toughness for a quarterback in college, a lot of times it's like, did this dude get whooped and then just keep grinding? And he was clearly playing through some injuries and things like that, but also... Getting whooped all the time is bad, and I, you're a hundred percent right. The offensive line is a disaster. When they played Jalen Carter, it was the funniest thing you've ever seen because he was just throwing them. If you ever seen like mascots play against little kid highlights, like yeah. that's what it looked like. He was the grown man mascot just throwing children, and then you know getting after Will Levis. Still, though, it always concerns me when someone is taking a ton of hits, because you mentioned that pocket presence, that creativity, that how do you avoid some of those? How do you escape and make plays? And I saw him just getting hit a lot. And, and I think that that is it's like that's where the Jake Locker comp or even Carson Wentz does that same thing where he has mm-hmm. the athleticism to move and make a play. But instead, he'll just kind of stand there.
1: Yeah, I think the one encouraging sign there is his time to throw is very low. Uh, Mm -hmm. I believe it's the low hooker might be lower, um, but of the other top four, I believe his is the lowest and it was because he had to get rid of the ball. And I think the majority of those hits he did take were just bad offensive line situations. Um, But I I do agree with what you're saying. Like you don't want to, that has been a big deal with Carson Wentz is he has left himself susceptible to hits, but I, I, just from his play style, that wasn't really something that that uh, popped in into my mind.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, in a way like just an elusiveness that you don't really mm-hmm. see. And and I know like Mahomes is just whatever. But that's one of the things with him is most of the time he does get rid of the ball quickly. But if he doesn't have to, then he will extend, extend. And there's yeah. not really an extending of plays, an elusiveness away from rushers, a creativity there. But if you're the Vikings, though, I mean, there's, there's, there's just this back and forth between – Whoever is a perfect prospect, almost nobody, that ever caught what Trevor Lawrence, and even he had some struggles in his first year. So nobody's going to be a perfect prospect when you're drafting at 23. But does the guy have things that he does well enough to fit and that you can resolve? And for Will Levis, I can make a case either way. I think accuracy would really make Kevin O'Connell nervous, in part because the reason Kevin O'Connell failed as an NFL quarterback was he was inaccurate. He's an incredible athlete. Couldn't throw the ball ac- uh, accurately. That would concern him. He's like, that's that's me. <laughs> that's why I failed. Um, but I also think that the tight window throws, the arm strength, and the guy wins a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford. You're kind of like, can I put these dots together? And I know Stafford's like a much better prospect, number one overall. That is my
1: like, high-end comp for Wheel right, Levice, yeah, by think the way. Is Matthew it. Stafford. Yeah. yeah.
0: So what do you so what do you think? Like, should should they like him? Should they like him?
1: I do. I really do. I think he's a great scheme fit with a lot of the play action stuff I talked about. That's when he's at his best. It's a good situation where he's not forced to start right away. I think just sitting for a year is good for any quarterback, no matter what type of prospect they are. Um, and I, I really think it'd be a good home for him. Obviously, you got you got Justin Jefferson to kind of soothe that that process along as well. You always want to you know put that help around him. I, I really would like the move, uh, Matthew. I really would.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about Hendon Hooker. Again, the show has featured a handful of Hendon Hooker opinions, let's say all the time, a lot, because everyone, McShay and Feldman and everybody, all the big names have put the Vikings in with Hendon Hooker. And I feel similarly about him as I do Will Levis, where you can talk me into it and you can talk me right back out of it if you want. So I'm I'm like the Abe Simpson gif of this thing, or it's like I come in and I'm like, okay, I'm into this. And then someone says, do you know how old he is? He remembers Madden 92. like, okay, and now (laughs) I'm out. I mean, I've had a lot of trouble with this. When I watch Hendon Hooker, I don't see anyone ever covered. I wish I had played for Tennessee, because I feel like as long as anyone could throw the ball 25 to 30 yards of the air, it would be to a wide open wide receiver who ran it for a touchdown.
1: Yeah. You're spot on. They, they run that kind of stack spread offense and free releases. They did a really good job protecting them. I swear I would love to get a Tennessee playbook in my hands. Cause I, I think it might be three, like two or three pages long. Cause there's, I only remember them running like 15 plays. And I'm sure it's more than that, but that's what it feels like when you watch him. So he, he had that system down to a T, but you can't just do that every snap in the NFL. Not only are the athletes better on defense and the coordinators are smarter, but the hash, the hash marks are closer. So you can't spread things out like that. So, or or the hash marks are, are, yeah, they're further away. Yeah. They're wider. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, he's going to have to, you know, learn an NFL offense. And I I think he showed the, like I said, I believe he of the five did have the lowest time to throw. And that's a good indicator that they're sharp. They're, they're recognizing things post snap. Um, I I think the, the accuracy deep is really good for him. It dropped off over the middle of the field. So if you want to talk scheme fit for the Vikes, where they are more that middle of the field Shanahan system, I I think you might have some concerns there, honestly, Uh, especially because he is a, He's going to be 26 years old by the time he's playing, Um, so I don't know if that's going to improve a ton. But I I would, I would despise the pick in the first round. (laughs) Absolutely obliterate the Vikings for it. I don't think they're going to do it because I just don't know how you justify it for the reason you mentioned with the scheme. It's going to be a transition. It's hard to know what to do with it. He's coming off an ACL. And in the Vikings case, that doesn't hurt quite as bad because he's going to be sitting behind Kirk anyway. Um, But for a lot of other teams, it's like he's not going to be able to come in and compete for that starting job right away because he's not going to be ready to throw a football until like you know, maybe late August uh, or or, uh, late July. So like right when camp is just starting. And like I said, he's 26 years old. So it's like by the time you get to a a second contract, he's already 30 years old. I, I just think it's crazy that he would be in first round conversations to me. He's, he's very similar to that whole cluster of quarterbacks from last year's class with Willis and Ritter and, and, and Corral. Um, and it's like, if you're going to spend a first on hooker, why don't you just call the Panthers about Matt Corral or the Titans about Malik Willis and throw a fourth round pick at it? It just, it just really does not make sense to me.
0: Yeah, I feel kind of the same way. Uh, I think the NFL.com comp was Desmond Ritter. I, I don't know that Desmond Ritter was as accurate throwing down the field, but I kind of feel the same about them. Also in the way that if we talk about a quarterback being mobile, he better be really mobile to be in the NFL for that to make any difference. And this was another guy I was you know kind of talking about that with Will Levis. There was not an elusiveness in the pocket, a pocket. Mm-hmm. Press. This dude just took sacks. And that's really concerning. And when he got pressured, it was really bad. And and this kind of reminds me of Ritter, where everyone loved, all the draft analysts loved, oh, look at him hit the back foot and let it go. Anything went wrong. He was kind of a disaster. And then he ran a 4 4 or something. And like, where was that on the tape? Yeah. I didn't see that at all. It's like Josh McCown who ran a 4 5 or something, but you never saw it. Did he really? He (laughs) literally did. Yeah. He's Josh McCown has one of the highest athletic scores from the combine of any quarterback. No way. You would never know it.
1: Just didn't because, the Patriots like, didn't try use, him at wide receiver or something? Uh, the Lions. Was that a thing? So he he had Lions a catch
0: team. as a slot receiver for the Lions. Yes, okay. that actually did happen. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe the best draft pick or the best, uh, you know, you know that whole era of them drafting wide receivers that busted. Maybe McCown was actually better than whatever. Yeah, he just didn't Rogers get his fair crack. Mike Williams or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was it. But yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't mean much that you're a good athlete if you don't use it. I don't see him really using it but here's the one thing I could see the Vikings talking themselves into. I can also scheme people open because I have Justin Jefferson and I'm a genius wizard, man. Like NFL coaches do have that to their game. Oh, he was making open throws. Well, he's going to make open throws for us as well. I don't like that logic all that much, but I also think I could see an NFL former quarterback being like, I can scheme these guys open and this guy is accurate. And also I think that matters a lot what we've heard about the reports of him on the whiteboard and remembering mm-hmm. offenses, recall, all that stuff. I think he's a better draft pick than someone like Kellen Mond, where there was just nothing there at all. But I, yeah. I agree with you that I don't think there was that there's so much more, uh, that this that this late hype for him is actually going to come to fruition.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if it does, it's like the way you talk yourself into it is, you know, as the Vikings, we've been looking for this you know, way to bridge out of Kirk cousins, he could be, you know, you get three years of hooker and, you know, treat him as a bridge as a guy that can kind of maybe like, I think he it's it, there's a world where he can reach like a Kirk cousins level be like, you know, the what, what's the number that's going to get the Vikings fans mad at me. If I, if I'm ranking Kirk here, like anything below 10,
0: i mean i think i think it's well it's pretty much well recognized that anywhere in a given season from eight to about 14 depending on how the year goes
1: yeah exactly so like that's an absolute best case scenario but then you're just right back where you were with him at 30 years old like with the same problem so if, if you're like committing to like we are not giving him a contract extension this is a a loosen up the salary cap, get Kirk out of here. And we will spend these next three years trying to find out who that great quarterback could be for us. That's kind of how you talk yourself into it in a bad draft class, but it's like still 23 is way too rich for that player. Second round. Sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. And if they only had a second round pick, which they don't, Uh, but uh, to me, that's just too risky to go for an older player. The ACL thing doesn't mean a lot to me. It's more of just the, the age and the development and even just what you can see for where is the ceiling? Like what, what about him is going to get so much better? What, what about Bryce Young is going to get better is a pretty easy thing to answer. Like, well, his pocket, you know, how he throws from the pocket can get better, but he has a lot of things you can't teach the hallucination. Like you can talk yourself into even CJ Stroud, where at the end of the year against Georgia, Stroud actually used his legs and his creativity a little. And you go, ah, I see it. Anthony Richardson. It's so easy to see. Well, this yeah. guy has ceiling on, you know, just it's unlimited with hooker. Like that is what you're getting. That's it. What you saw weaknesses strengths it's probably not going to change I don't think that they'll do it either now uh real quick before we talk about corners because I think they're much more likely than quarterback Mm -hmm. uh do you like the Trey Lance idea because this would be um let's see 700 straight days of someone asking me about Trey Lance to the Vikings (laughs) and boy Ian Rappaport just lighting that on fire uh, over the last 24 hours so Trey Lance to Vikings love hate how do you feel
1: love it love it I mean it, it is complicated because, you, like you said, you don't have that second round pick. So how do you how do you make it work? I if I'm the Niners, I'm not trading them for a future second round pick. It just wouldn't make any sense. You don't know if Purdy is going to be able to play for you. I got Sam Darnold there. You spent all those picks on him. He's played like three games. So to me, it's like I need the Vikings first round pick. I need the Texans 33rd pick. I need something about. Equivalent value of a first round pick that's going to help me this year as they're trying to win a Super Bowl, if they're going to really justify this thing. So for me, I do think it would cost the 23rd pick. uh, And I tweet I actually tweeted that out earlier this morning. I said uh, I would do that if I were the Vikings. But I completely understand the hesitation because he he hasn't played. Um, But you're bringing him home You know, went to Marshall, still 23 years old. Uh, I, I, I was up and down with him as a prospect, but he is incredibly talented, and he would get a year to develop behind Kirk. I think it it would be a good investment for a team that, like like we've been talking about, like they're not, they're not picking up at the top of these drafts. It's it's going to be tough to find the perfect option. You're going to have to risk and and take some gambles to make this thing happen. And uh, I, I would I would certainly be excited if they pulled the trigger on that.
0: You know, it's interesting to think about. And of course, giving up the first round pick is hard because there's a lot of holes on the roster is that with say Josh Rosen, for example, someone drafted Josh Rosen and then spun him for a second round pick. And then someone else acquired Josh Rosen for a second round pick and they didn't like him. And they just drafted someone else because he was bad. Like there is a scenario here where one of the things we talk about all the time is escaping the middle, which as you know, as one of us, as a Minnesotan, your whole life, they've just been in the middle outside of that far of time. But aside from that, right. And the, in the random case Keenum, it's always 10 and six, it's nine and seven or whatever. And with Trey Lance, I think you get to escape the middle because he's either going to be awesome or he's mm-hmm. going to be horrible. And either one of those is actually better for you because if you, if you trade for him and move Kirk after June 1st or something, if you went real radical and just went all in on this idea, well, you're, probably drafting high in 2024 if he's bad and you're probably winning a lot if he's good and feel like you have your franchise quarterback there are only a few things that kind of get in the way of this idea for me one of them is why is san francisco trading him after having him there and him being young and hey brock purdy is like played five games like that that has to make you hesitant that that kyle shanahan is getting rid of a quarterback i don't know if i really like that um the other thing is that they've already burned a couple of years of his rookie contract that kind of hurts as well because if, I mean, if they trade away Kirk, it doesn't hurt as bad on the salary cap, but if they let it play out and Lance was like Kirk's backup for next year, if they couldn't trade Kirk, I mean, you're talking about a year or two, maybe at best, then you're in like a Jordan love situation where you don't get to take advantage of that. That would concern me a lot.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with those points. And that, that would be the other Avenue that I, I almost kind of prefer what you said, where it's like, get out of the middle and maybe you can compensate some of that value. Can you get a second round pick from, you know, maybe Houston passes on a quarterback at two and they want, uh they want a rental of Kirk cousins. Can you get, can you get a second or an early, you know, their, their, you know, third rounder, which is basically a second. Can you get that back for Kirk spend the first on Trey? And you're doing a little bit of a pick swap type of deal. Like I, I like that idea. If he sucks, he sucks. You, you got a great quarterback class coming in next year. So yeah, I, You've kind of talked me into it, honestly, that that if you're going to go that route, let's let's just find out and not mess around with another year of Kirk.
0: And of course, there's always the blazing hot Kirk for Trey Lance. And that would uh, that would be and it's just funny because. People have just brought this up in Minnesota for so long that if it actually happened, it would just be the funniest. Like if all these years, I've just been saying, I don't know, guys, I don't know why either side would do that. And I, whatever, I think the Kirk and Shanahan love is overstated. And now it sounds like there was like legit conversation with the Vikings about actually doing that trade.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You could see that too. You really could, you know, they go yeah. way back to to Washington back in like 20, what, 14, as I'm sure you've, you've made that point plenty of times. I don't want to count out anything. Uh, Let's talk about the more realistic thing, which is
0: that nothing happens with the quarterback and they draft (laughs) a cornerback. Now, it seems like everyone's mock has the same couple of guys at the top and then there's, hey, but maybe the Vikings could get this guy. How, How does your order look like? Who would be that person, the Witherspoon, the Gonzalez, the Porter Jr.? Is there a person in that group that you could see as the most likely to slide into that range where the Vikings are?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's kind of a best case scenario just from the way I evaluate these guys, but um, you know Deontay Banks is where I'm going with this. Uh, I I love Deontay Banks. I, I've got him at um, three right now, but literally like neck and neck with Christian Gonzalez. I, I love I love everything about him. Not just the athletic profile. I knew he was going to test well, but I didn't even know he was going to test that well. Man to man, he's super physical. You know Flores is going to want someone that can do that as a baseline but he was like one of the smartest looking zone corners I've seen in years, honestly, just the way he communicated, uh, passing off coverages. There's times where, you know, the safety's kind of throwing his hands up and mid play banks is like, you know, adamantly like you go. And that you would see the safety latch onto the guy. It's like, he just has this understanding back there, processes information really well. The only knock on him is like when he's, when he's running down the sideline, he's really bad at getting his head around be a little grabby in those situations. You didn't see a ton of interceptions for that reason, whether that's coachable or not. I, I don't know, but if that's your only problem, that's, that's not the worst thing in the world. So like I'm super high on him. I know a lot of people are as well. And I, I don't know that he'll be there, but I think of the four, he's the one that's probably possible just based on kind of the consensus idea of these guys but I mean, man, if Porter's there, he'd be great. Gonzalez, uh, Witherspoon's—it's uh, not going to happen. He's—he's going to be off the board very early. But um, that, to me, is—is is where I'm when I'm making my mock drafts. I'm consistently asking myself, how can I make this happen for the Vikings to get one of these four guys specifically? Just knowing what Flores did in Miami, put such a priority at that position. You look at the roster they desperately need someone that can follow a number one guy around regardless of matchup and, and make it happen. And, and I like Byron Murphy, but he's a physically limited player. If you're going against the Devonte Adams of the world, the Stefan Diggs of the world, these, these amazing height, weight, speed and incredible route runners. Murphy's not going to be able to keep up with those guys. And, and maybe that's booth, but I wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't count on him staying healthy. So just with the need and the, and the, where this class is at, it's obviously a huge, a huge deal. Now there is another guy that I really like for the Vikings that I could see happening and um, might be one of those guys. It's like, they took who in the first round would be Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, huge fan of his game. He's actually my fifth corner. And he's a tier behind that, that top four for sure. But if you're looking for that day one press man guy, he, he would, he would fit the mold. He's, you know, Really just rock-solid guys, 6'1", 200 pounds, tested well, great technique, uh, got to see him down at the Senior Bowl, just looked like the best corner of that group. Uh, so he's a guy that like, maybe you can move down a little bit, as we know they like to do, and if you can't and you feel like you've got to get a corner, you know, I'm totally fine with with him at that spot. I actually have a first to a second-round grade on on Stevenson, so...
0: Yeah, the uh, back to Deontay Banks, where it's really interesting to me is uh, his athletic profile just being through the roof. And mm-hmm. I think that position specifically, if you go anywhere else, other than I'm sure you've seen relative athletic scores and things like that, anything less than somebody that's like that 90th percentile or above at the corner. You just know there's going to be limitations unless (laughs) there's, you know, Richard Sherman's always going to get brought up, but that is such a unique case that almost never happens. So don't even bother at that point. Just get someone in the second, get someone in free agency. If you're looking for someone who's going to be your elite, your Xavier Rhodes, the guy better be a freak athlete or he's just going to have almost no chance. I also think, too, that that intelligence part is still we've kind of talked about man coverage and how much Brian Flores is going to do it but he's going to do it like 60% of the time. It's not going to do it hundred percent of the time. And teams are using, you know, condensed splits and motions and all these things. I think cornerback has become more of a high intelligence position than maybe ever before in history, where a lot of times it was, Hey, you go lock onto that guy. Or if you're really smart, we could play zone with you a lot. I think Mm -hmm. now every single guy has to have incredible uh, film study, recall, like understanding of route combinations, communication, because nobody can just be like islanding a dude. The teams are working way too hard to get these elite receivers like the Vikings do off of those island corners. So that, that kind of intrigues me about Banks. Stevenson is much more probably a trade down guy. Uh, Porter Jr. gets brought up a lot as potential for the Vikings, do you like him? Do you like that idea? I like his wingspan. It's absurd. Yeah. He could like dunk a basketball standing straight up.
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see Porter as well. I just, I just don't know quite how realistic it is for, for him to be there, but there's definitely a lot of similarities to like what Flores had in Xavier Howard with that, that big, big corner that even if he doesn't have the most ridiculous long speed and he, and he ran well, he, uh what did he end up at like four, four or four, three, eight, I think was, was his time is that right four four six at the combine so so yeah pretty good but nothing crazy um he's just so good at like you know banging with receivers down the field and using that length to constantly slow these guys down where you know zavian howard i think was a four five eight guy but you know you're never going to hit top speed when he's covering you because he's kind of you know sliding that you know, hand in your hip pocket and making sure you can't accelerate past him. And you definitely see that with Porter. Now he got flagged a ton. I think he got flagged like nine times in his last year. So he's a grabby dude, but a smart player. Another guy that you could, you can go both ways, man zone and, and would, would, yeah. if, If you, like I said, if you can get any of these top four guys, you are popping champagne in the war room for the Vikes. It's funny because I I remember Mike Zimmer just talking a lot about how
0: every single corner is grabby in college because they let you be. And it's it's a thing that they worked really hard to untrain. I did a story about this once of like how they try to train players to not get pass interferences and the tricks of the trade. But it's really hard to do when they come into Mm -hmm. the league because they are allowed to be so physical throughout the route in college. And man, if they weren't, every game would be like 70 to 70 um, you know, it can be sometimes anyway, but they would just run away from these corners, but that's a, it's, so I kind of look at that and I read every scouting report of the corners and every single one says, well, he gets too grabby, he gets too yeah. grabby. So I kind of dismiss that point to me. It's just kind of the fit with a guy who's going to have to play a lot of man coverage. And then you kind of go from there. Can he press up on a top receiver and things like that? Cause I know that Flores is going to want that an aggressive, a smart player, I, but let me, let me get your opinion on this though if they draft a corner at 23, I think we all go like, okay. And there will be folk who show up in the live streams, in the chats, in the, in the comments who are like, did we seriously just draft a corner again? Like, what are we (laughs) doing here? Like we just keep drafting corners and they keep not mattering and things like that. I, I don't, I haven't figured out a good answer for that because you need a corner. There's really no other way around it. And I think (laughs) this class is different. (laughs) But at the same time, I totally get it from those people. I totally get it. It, it is the most snoozy draft pick that you're going to have. You're not going to make a single wave by drafting another corner. And they already drafted two last year. They had drafted. You know, I don't know. I haven't decided yet what I'm going to say if that's what happens.
1: I think, yeah, I guess the the convincing arguments would be this class is weaker. It's not, especially in the first round. I think it's a deeper class than we've seen but it's and a big part of that is because of these, you know, super, super seniors. There's a bunch of these six year players that are getting an extra look uh, with more coaching, but uh, anyway, it's a, it's a weaker class in the first round. And especially if you are happen to get lucky enough to get one of these top four guys, it's like, you are walking out, you know, if I, if I look at my big board, the, you know, Joey Porter is my 10th player in the class and he's my fourth corner. So like, you are walking out. You are stealing value, and I mean, it, yeah, like you said, you need the position. It, you know, it's it's uh, you know sunk cost at this point. You gotta you gotta fix it, especially right. with Flores' defense that puts a huge, huge priority on it. If if you were going back to like a zone Fangio style defense again, it's like okay, yeah, maybe we can risk it with these guys. But when you are talking about a system that's gonna blitz and put these guys on an island, it's gonna be a nightmare if you don't have a guy that can hang.
0: Well, and also, I mean, you needed a receiver when you drafted Justin Jefferson. Laquan Treadwell had nothing to do with this. And the same thing Mm -hmm. is like, Mike Hughes has nothing to do with this. You really need a corner. And I think if you get a great one, it's worth its weight in gold because there's not that many great ones. So if you get a sauce gardener, your version like that, I mean, Xavier Rhodes did this from 2015 to about 2018. He It was a short run. But man, when you had him, the whole defense was different because you had this one guy who could lock on to great players. Jalen Ramsey has changed the math for teams. Like if you're not trying to cover everybody with a bunch of average corners and you have someone who's elite, I think it makes everybody else around him better. And I also think that's one of the reasons it's so hard to pick them up in free agency because you don't know, was he on a bad team? You know, how much did that affect him? Or did he have an elite guy next to him? How much did that affect him? Um, Because you could give a lot of help there. So I think that it's a very practical pick. That's not exciting. Do you have a pick for the Vikings that would shock everybody or be, you know, people would lose their minds a little bit, but makes sense. Is there like your hot take Vikings pick?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I may have already given you that with Tyreek Stevenson, but, uh, not hot enough. That's like not hot enough. All right. That's like
0: 250 degrees on the oven. You got to turn that thing up.
1: Okay. Okay. Turn up hotter. Um, Go hotter. I think, Is oh, Drew man, Sanders
0: hot enough for you? That was the hottest one that I saw in a that's mock pretty crowd. hot. That's pretty, pretty hot. hot.
1: Yeah, or like Trenton Simpson. I could see it because yeah, because the linebacker room. I like, I like, I like the that position as a as a, a surprise pick. I, I would say Drew Sanders would be a surprise. Trenton Simpson is kind of the one first round linebacker in this class. I uh, wouldn't be a fan of that, by the way. I'm just not a fan of first round linebackers. Um I've, I've gone on a lot of tangents about that position. I don't know if you want me to get into it or not, but uh, I I like Drew Sanders as a as a hot take there. Yeah. Okay, the
0: the most absurd hot take so far has been people asking me about B. John Robinson to the Vikings because mm. they're going to lose Delvin Cook. Now, that one is an absolute... That was too hot. That one's your kitchen's on fire. Right, nope, not going there. I think, I think Drew, Sanders, wrong, is think I think Drew Sanders,
1: Sanders is hotter. You think Drew Sanders is hotter? Interesting. Well, I mean... I. Mean, I, mean, I Bijan's amazing, man. He's, he is the best player in this draft. I don't think he's going to be there personally. I think someone's going to talk themselves into him in the top 15 to 20. I don't know if he gets past the chargers at 21. Uh, But if you're sitting there at 23 and the top four corners are gone and they're like, well, crap, we can't trade down, but we've got the best player in the draft staring at us. Dalvin's, you know, probably if he plays this year, it's definitely his last year. It's like, screw it. Let's, Let's just, let's just take him. You can't get me there.
0: You can't because, well, <laughs> even I, I mean, I believe you and everybody else about Bijan Robinson. It's just that it it is such a bad value play for a running back, right? Like, there's no denying this. How it, I mean, if you, if you drafted Saquon Barkley, I mean, even if he had been the 20th pick, it wouldn't have been worth it, right? And Saquon Barkley had the same conversation, and he's a great player. We saw him just abuse the Vikings last year, but what does it really get your offense to have that guy? So,
1: yeah, yeah. The big and, difference and between taking him two overall to. and 23, though.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, Huge of difference. course. It's just that when you need a second wide receiver, when you need a number one corner, when you need edge rushers for the future, because Daniil Hunter might be traded, when you, these are a quarterback, these are all such important positions the running back one of the things that they i wish they would find a way to work around this is the running backs who come into the league as rookies in the first round are already like the most expensive player at their position and i don't know what you're supposed to do about that but that mm-hmm. makes it even worse because if you draft a corner or yeah corner he's 15 million cheaper than the top guy if you draft a receiver he's 12 million cheaper if you draft a running back he's like more expensive than 90% of the league that that is where it kind of gets into. I totally believe everybody about the scouting of Bijan Robinson, but the value of him, I just can't make it work.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm I've always you know I'm I'm on team uh, don't draft a running back in the first round, but he he really is. Uh, I mean, he had I think he had I want to say a 204 carries. He had 102 missed tackles forced. So he is every every other time he's touching the ball, he's making that first guy miss. So if you can get him into the second level, the amount of like. 10, 15, 20 yard runs he's going to have is going to be notably higher than, than what else you're getting. I, my, my comparison for him is Ladanian Tomlinson and I don't do that. I'm not like the compare guys to hall of famers. He is the highest graded player I've, I've ever done since I've been doing this. So like I, I, I would do it at 23 because I think he is a different player than taken. And, and again, it comes back to the draft class and the opportunity cost. If those, if any of those corners are gone, absolutely run the card up or, or if the corners are there, run the card up, no doubt. But like, if, if you're between taking Bijan Robinson and like, you know, Jordan Addison, who I think is going to be a solid number two receiver or, um, you know, a linebacker, which I would argue a linebacker in the first round is an even worse pick than a, than a running back. Because you look at the mid round linebacker, that's where the sweet spot is there. Like I, I just I think you can justify it a little bit more once you get into the 20s for sure.
0: Yeah, I think we would probably go, uh, the analytics GM not exactly following the analytics here. Yeah, I mean, with, that's that's the thing with B. John Robinson, I keep coming back to is I again I totally believe everybody, but I also think there's the this guy is different fallacy, also, because yeah. I we've Leonard Fournette, this guy's different. Like, you gotta understand this guy's different. I'm like, well, I don't know, because at the NFL level the players are so fast on defense that it usually comes down to who's blocking. Well, right. Like who has the best running scheme, who's blocking. And the only guys who are really different over the last five years have been what really Delvin cook and Derrick Henry who made a tangible difference over multiple seasons versus what they like, how the blocking was and stuff. So that's saying basically this guy has to be as good as Derrick Henry or prime Delvin cook in order for it to make any sense. That's where it's hard for me. Like I, if if it happens and he's Ladainian Tomlinson, the value is through the roof, insane. But kind of, what are the odds that that works out? If you don't block well, if you don't have the right scheme, if he gets hurt, if he, which these guys get mm-hmm. hurt all the time, there's just so many, so many downsides that have nothing to do with the player. And I want to apologize to Bijan Robinson. Like you're great, man, but it doesn't make yeah. any sense.
1: <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to Saquon. The injuries, in yeah. the blocking, we're just not yeah. there. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. So uh Marcus, this has been great, man. I've really enjoyed having you on the show and we'll definitely uh, be doing it again. And it's great to have a Minnesota content creator. So make sure you go check that out. That franchise guy is the YouTube page. You've got a lot of awesome stuff, film breakdowns of more of the corners than we even talked about, because I think it's realistic that they could drop back and maybe take somebody else that we didn't discuss. So that's a great video. I just watched that the other day, your mock draft with Eric and Thomas Dimitrov, tremendous stuff. So you're doing awesome stuff. I'm glad that we got introduced to each other and we'll definitely get together again. Thanks, man.
1: Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you for having me, Matthew.